Hello and welcome to PW's LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors creating works of fiction, including romance, mystery, and graphic novels. I'm Rose Fox, Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly, and today I'm speaking with Josie S. Kilpack, whose novel Forever and Forever is published by Shadow Mountain, the sponsor of today's podcast. Hi, Josie. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. Well, thank you for having me. This is an honor. So this book recounts the historical courtship of Henry Longfellow, who I I think readers will mostly know for his Ballad of Paul Revere, and Fanny Appleton. Why did you choose this particular historical couple to write about? Well, I'd been talking to my publisher, Shadow Mountain, about the idea of doing a historical romance based on true characters, so preferably a literary character. So I started just looking online, Googling different writers that I was familiar with of classical literature and poetry and things and looking for a story that would really jump out that would have enough depth to it to make an entire novel. And I came across Henry Longfellow's story of Fanny Appleton. And it was, I think I just saw it on the Wikipedia page and it said that they'd had a seven-year courtship. And I wondered why on earth would anybody have a seven-year courtship. So I started reading up a little bit more about it, looked into some different links, found a couple uh, research papers that had been done about their marriage. That was when I learned that she died tragically after they'd been married for about 20 years. But they were really happy together. And that sparked my curiosity even more because they had such a happy relationship, such a good marriage. So why did it take so long for them to get together? So I um, went and checked out some biographies from my local library and read up on it. And of course, within the biographical sketches of his life, there's, you know, very few pages that are actually dedicated to this. But in reading multiple sources and reading about it, it kind of fleshed out my mind. And it was a really interesting story. It was, you know, it kind of made them come alive. They were more than just people in history. And I came to understand why they did have a seven year courtship, what the issues were that kind of got in their way. And then I was able to build scenes around some of their interactions. And The nice thing about working with them is uh, Henry Longfellow, he was popular in his own lifetime, and he was aware that he would uh, be a figure that would go down in history. So he kept very good records of his letters, of his interactions. So his biographies are very clean biographies. There's not a lot of supposition that went into them. And I was able to research through those things. There's a, I found a book that was about Fanny's letters that she had written over the years to different people, and that kind of showed her version of events. And and her feelings and some of her concerns. And, and so it just kind of came together. It was a great story. It was really fun to read and it was really fun to retell. Well, it was so thoughtful of them to leave all that documentation for you. Right? I know. (laughs) So your introduction to the book says that public details regarding the courtship specifically are pretty minimal, even for people who were so well documented. So how, how did that make your job both easier and harder? Well, it was interesting because it made it easier in the sense that while there weren't there weren't a lot of details that allowed me as a fiction writer to kind of build those up and flesh them out and use some of that artistic license to help it follow a traditional story pattern which is necessary whenever you're going to novelize something um what was hard about it was that i the more i learned about them the more the more i felt that i needed to really do a good job of reflecting them truthfully. Now, granted, it was a long time ago. There aren't anybody who can, nobody's going to call me on it, but I really wanted to do a good job. I really wanted to present them correctly. And sometimes there was so such limited information that I wasn't exactly sure why certain things happened 
the way that they happened. So I tried really hard to research as much as I could and, and try and get a true perspective on it. But there were times when I had to fictionalize things and make things up and just kind of make a choice about how I wanted to reflect that. But it actually turned into a really nice balance because I think if you have too many details that you're trying to stay true to, if I had it too specific, then it's hard to make it fit into a story structure. And yet I needed to include as much truth to make sure that I was being honorable to what had really happened. Now, part of the challenge of writing historical fiction is that modern readers have a very different idea of uh, correct behavior than historical figures did. So how do you make a seven-year courtship, which is specifically Henry pursuing Fanny for seven years after she'd rejected him, how do you make that something that's sympathetic and rather than making him just look like a jerk who won't take no for an answer? (laughs) There were times when I thought, Henry, you're kind of being a jerk that won't take no for an answer. But I think that comes into character. It comes into really learning who they were and getting a solid understanding of of what was in their way, even though they didn't come right out and say, this is how I feel about this. You had to read through the letters and, and figure out how would it work and what would make sense. And in my research, Henry, he struggled with depression. He had some difficulties with his career. He had financial struggles and and yet Fanny almost became a, a symbol of, of everything good in the world for him. And there's a part of the story where, where he's trying to let go of her because she has rejected him and she has pushed him away and they're no longer really interacting much in their lives. And he's trying so hard to forget her and he kind of comes to a conclusion of, you know, maybe I needed to love her the way that I've loved her in order to keep myself going to this point. And that kind of came out in a, in some of his letters and some of the things that he wrote uh, during a convalescence that he took in Germany. And, and it really stood out to me and it made me think about that. You know, sometimes we do need someone to love, something to take care of, something to kind of pull us forward. And, and so that's kind of how I interpreted that and kind of how I reflected that in the story was that he didn't fully see her as her. He saw her as of more of a symbolic possibility And when he could finally kind of back off and and truly let that go and truly want her happiness, whether it's with him or not, her heart seemed to kind of change towards him as well, because she was also a character who was growing and changing and developing and learning throughout this process. So that's actually something with a lot of resonance and relevance to modern readers is this idea that objectifying someone is not the same as loving them and is not a basis for a relationship. Right. And that it comes on both sides. You know, we we have to grow ourselves enough to see someone wholly or, you know, completely. And other people also need to grow in order to be worthy of that connection, maybe. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. But, you know, both Henry and Fanny had growth that they had to go through. And it did show in their letters um, and their correspondences to other people that there was a lot going on for them individually. And they weren't quite ready for one another when they first met. And yet, you know, eventually they came together and they they had a very happy life together. So as you mentioned, after Fanny first rejects Henry, he's trying to figure out his life. Uh, He takes up writing. He also teaches for a living, but he keeps also thinking about this romantic attachment. Um, Usually it's women who are portrayed as having to choose between career and family life. You know, they can't have it all. Um, But in this case, it's, it's the man who has to make that choice. So how does he handle it? And how do you handle writing about that? 
Um, he was working really hard with his career, and I don't know that he ever faced choosing between a career and a family per se, other than Fanny was a rich man's daughter, and she had a certain expectation of lifestyle, and he really felt like he needed to get to a certain point where he could care for her the way that she had been cared for. And that was very difficult to do. Her family was one of the wealthiest families in Boston at the time and, and very well respected and very well known. And, and he was what we would consider as middle class. He worked for a living and um, he had his writing, but that wasn't taking off. His first few books didn't sell exceptionally well. And his very first book didn't even have his name on it. And so there was that struggle of trying to get himself to a point, you know, back in that day, that that class of men typically didn't marry until they could fully support a family. And he struggled to get to that point where he felt he could truly take care of her. And in the end, he never really did. I mean, her her dad gave them a house when they married and and she had income of her own that that helped support the family until his writing really took off and then could take care of them in the way that he felt she deserved. It's rare for a romance novel to include a research bibliography, though I wish more of them did, especially historicals. What was your research process like, and why did you choose to include that list of sources for readers? Well, I have to admit, I'm not a great researcher. This was, I'd never done anything like this before. I had researched, you know, places and and time periods, but I'd never done anything like this. And so it was very intimidating. But I found that by reading multiple sources, I got a little... You know, every historian has a certain level of subjectivity as they go into a, a book. And that was really quite fascinating to me to read two different biographies. And yet they would come from different directions and they would portray characters differently. So I, I read multiple sources so that I could kind of find a common ground. I would find those things that they agreed on. Um, and there were details that would be in one source and not another. And I tried to point those out in my chapter notes of those things that felt less less certain. But I included the bibliography in case anybody wanted to learn more about a more biographical sketch of these people, since I am fictionalizing it, which means I'm adjusting information to make sure it fits the story structure and flushes out these characters. I wanted to make sure that people knew where I'd gotten that information for the most part, even though it's not, you know, crazy detailed, but I wanted them to also have resources if they read through and wanted to learn more and wanted more details or, or to see what happened afterwards. And the, this doesn't cover a great deal of Henry's career. And that's what most of us know him for is for his writing career. And so I wanted to make sure that it was possible for them to go and find out more information if they wanted to do so. So as you mentioned, you've done some research for your other romance novels. Um, what appeals to you in general about writing historical romance? Um, I think the things for me that appeal a lot is there was such a structure to courting and to meeting people and, and there were rules and there was propriety and there were things like that, which I find really interesting. And I, I write clean romance or sweet romance, and I enjoy having the focus on characters and interactions and, and those things that I think are easier to portray in a historical setting. Um, I also think it's fascinating to go back in time and see what has changed and what hasn't changed between, you know, cultures and times and cities. And 
so that's kind of what I've, I've really enjoyed. I really enjoy reading historicals. I, I really enjoy reading a novel where I feel like I learned something, whether it's about a culture or a time period or something, something that I didn't know before. And historicals, I think, give a good balance of that. I get a great story, but I also get to learn something. I get to pull something out of it. And, and that's what I've attempted to create with my own historical novels of giving the reader a little more information beyond just the story, having them learn something. What's your favorite thing that you learned, or one of your favorite things? I know it can be hard to pick one while you were researching this particular work. My favorite thing was researching Boston. I I live in the Midwest. I have never been to the East Coast before. And during this writing this story, I went to Boston. I went uh, in winter of 2014, which was a really crazy winter for Boston. We got there in between all these storms. I think they said there'd been 95 inches of snow that had fallen so far and just these massive piles of snow in the streets. But I had never been to the East Coast and walking through the streets of Boston. There's a Longfellow house in Cambridge, which is the house that he and Fanny lived in and raised their children in. And um, it's featured in the book. And that is now a historical park. We were able to get a private tour of that house, which is filled with most of their most of the things in there are things that they actually owned that they put in there because Henry knew that he would be a historical figure. He worked on preserving so many things in that house. George Washington had stayed there during the Revolutionary War, during the siege of Boston. And so Henry and Fanny collected a lot of artifacts when they were living there about George Washington's stay. And that was absolutely fascinating to me to have already read about these characters, these people, and learned about them, and then to go through a home where they lived and see the things that they had used every day. And it was so perfectly preserved. It was absolutely fascinating. I loved Boston. I loved Cambridge, even with all that snow. And so it was a really exciting experience for me personally to see such a new place, but also to learn about it in such a historical context. I absolutely loved it. I hope I can go back to Boston one day when it's not covered in snow and see it all over again. But that was probably my favorite part. Which aspects of their historical lives do you think will have the most resonance for present day readers? Um, I think parts that would be the most relatable for us is in big portion, Fanny was very reluctant. She was reluctant towards Henry, but she was reluctant towards marriage. She was reluctant towards family. There was a, a, a real strong sense in her letters that if she married, she would be giving up a certain level of her own identity. And I think that's something that that we all deal with very much in the modern world. I think all of us worry about making commitments and relationships and and things that may take away from our own individuality and our own identity. I think that will be very relatable. And I I think Fanny's a very strong woman. She's not always that likable. She's kind of rude several times in the story, but she's a strong woman and she's willing to make hard decisions and she wants to have independence. She wants to make her own choices. And in the end, she does. She makes her own choice in marrying Henry. And I really enjoyed that about her, especially for that time period when it was very rare. She was in a unique situation and where she had the ability to choose her own path. And she ended up choosing Henry and the family that they made. And modern women, we have the same thing. We have so many options available in front of us. We get to make those choices. We get to inform ourselves. We get to learn. We get to to weigh out our options. And I think that's something that we can all relate to. Sometimes it may seem easier when we don't have so many choices. And and many women in her time didn't. They There was one course they were going to follow. And 
whether they wanted to or not. And I appreciated that she saw her ability to choose and that she was wise about it. Well, that sounds absolutely fascinating. I'm sure readers will be very eager to pick up the book and learn more about Henry and Fanny and their lives separately and together. Thank you so much for the great interview, Josie. Thank you, Rose. I really appreciate being on. We've been discussing Josie S. Kilpack's new novel, Forever and Forever. Thank you very much for listening and join us on the next LitCast.